This is Frazzly with Frazzlecast. Do you want to talk about World of Warcraft every week with different people and a little bit of geeky stuff? Check out Frazzlecast.com and on all of your favorite podcast players. And remember, keep it geek. theme song means it is once again time to promo the Geek Wolf Pack podcast. I'm your Papa Wolf, Nick Kelly. And I'm your Mama Wolf, Stacia Kelly. And I'm Thermal Wolf, Brandon Kelly. Here on the podcast, we're just a couple of generations geeking out and sharing what we think we think. We'll share the latest nerd news and sci-fi happenings. Looking for life hacks? I'll tell you if there's an app for that. And I'll give you the latest from a gamer's point of view. Plus, every episode includes some of what we like to call ADHD D&D. I'm a healer, and I killed a dragon. Spoilers. (laughs) Spoilers. <laughs> so join us here at the Geek Wolfpack Podcast. Join us on iTunes, Stitcher, Blueberry, or wherever you find your podcasts, or simply at geekwolfpackpodcast.com. And as always, geek out. Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 125 of Geekitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. Today, I'm excited to be joined by my co-host, Ray Vargas. How you doing, Ray? I'm doing good, Joe. How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. I'm going to warn our listeners ahead of time that I have a puppy who is very interested in attention tonight. So <laughs> if, if you hear sounds and barking in the background, that's Ollie saying hi. That's just a surprise special guest. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Weighing in I'm, his thoughts on Spider-Man. Yes, I am. I am puppy sitting tonight. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> awesome. So what have you been up to? Oh, man. Um, gearing up for the start of the semester. So my uh, my weekly geekery lately has been a lot of research for the paintings that I'm excited to be making this semester. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. It's I'm kind of a research geek. I don't know if that's – I'm sure that's a thing. Probably. We're making it a thing. Um <laughs> I just love deep diving, you know, just picking a subject um, and then just trying to learn everything I can about it, reading articles, reading different points of view, um, seeing what's come before. In terms of especially like the paintings that I make, um, one thing that I've uh, learned, I guess, in the last couple of years is that I really should be aware of what's come before me. I know that to a lot of people that might sound like, yeah, no shit. But um, I guess it's just, you know, before uh, recently, I was just so into my interpretation of a given subject or whatnot that I was most excited about that. But nowadays, uh, I get much more excited about what other people or other artists have maybe said about a given topic and then my thoughts on that and how it can maybe add like another layer to what I'm doing. You know? Right, right, right. 
Um, yeah, so I'm planning this this semester. My body of work is going to be around um, a series of images of the kind of treats like candy and uh, chocolates and whatnot that you would most likely find like in a super traditional Mexican household. Mm-hmm. And I'm just excited to, to learn how I can connect that to other people's experiences to try to make it maybe more universal mm-hmm. and also, you know, incorporate some of what other artists before me have, have either how they've used this same subject matter or maybe themes that are, you know, can kind of overlap uh, between maybe, you know, some artwork that has nothing to do with this kind of subject matter. But um, yeah, it's just one of those things that for me reminds me of childhood growing up. So believe it or not, I've been doing a lot of reading about the history of Mexican candy. That's, that's really cool. Um, <laughs> have, have you, is, is there some stuff that you've been surprised by in all this? Um, I guess maybe not surprised, but just sort of, um, like I, I knew that, you know, some of these treats, like these sweet treats that we eat, like for, for if you if you're going up like in a Mexican household, like you're eating stuff like it's it's mango candy that is like covered in chili, and uh, that has some obvious connotation to like you know obviously it wasn't just like that just sprouted out of nowhere. Like those flavor combinations are playing off of something that is coming directly from the culture. Right. So right. if if I've been surprised by anything, it's just the confirmation of how far back that goes oh wow you know <laughs> yeah like some of these flavor combinations and flavor profiles go back to like pre-columbian times that's crazy and it's funny because yeah. because because it's cultural um it doesn't necessarily hit the mainstream until more until a lot later and so i think of those as kind of newly popularized flavors, right you know, I know that right. they they have been been uh, traditional for for a while, but but not necessarily mainstream until just recently. So to to think that it goes back to to that far is kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah, and and during that era, a lot of it wasn't really sweet because sweetness wasn't really like you know a a a flavor that was like highly sought after or like that was like a major presence. It wasn't mm-hmm. until Europeans came over that they brought all the sugar with them and then that started to be you know mixed in with the indigenous food so anyway this is this is what I'm geeking out about so you know sometimes I'm reading about you know whatever Thor and sometimes I'm reading about the history of Mexican you know confections which um, I guess I don't know this is one of the cool things for me about being an artist is that you know uh, whatever my body of work is kind of including, like I get to really learn a lot about that subject. And I think, I mean, this is something that I've known about artists for a long time. Um, but I guess I never considered it like a major part of a practice of the practice, but it totally is. That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. I was just talking to somebody the other day about how I was like, you know, when I think one of the defining things about a geek is that we, we do, do do those deep dives. We like really think about, you know, when we get into something, we really get into something and we throw ourselves completely into it. We're like, I must know more. So uh, I forget who I was talking to about that. But it's it's like, I feel like that's kind of the defining thing. And anytime somebody's like, you know, oh, I'm not a geek. But then they go on about how they spent hours researching something. I'm like, you're a geek. You're just not a pop culture geek. 
Yes, exactly. That's totally true. Yeah. Although, and I feel like pop culture geekiness is like my, um, it's just my total comfort. Yeah. You know, that's just, that's just the thing. That's just like pure joy. Like, I just want to read about the adventures of my favorite characters and just kind of like escape for a bit. That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah, man. What have you been up to? Um, a bunch of stuff because it's been a while since we were we've we've gotten a chance to talk. Um, we went and saw Crazy Rich Asians, which I don't know if you've had a chance to see that yet, but it's I haven't, but it's on my list. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. In fact, oh, that's great. I know uh, Katie and Chelsea did uh, an episode on the book and the one that they just released today because we are uh, recording on Monday the twenty seventh. Uh, they released one today about the film. And it was definitely, it's definitely worth uh, a, a go see. It, it is like laugh oh, out great. loud funny. Um, I feel like there are a lot of ties to culture and, and to, um, you know, just a, a different identity, identity, a different perspective than we've seen in cinema in a very long time. I've been wanting to watch it because there have been, like I listened to um, a couple of podcasts, like Mark Naren's podcast, Bill Simmons podcast, and he's had, um, yeah, they both had guests on one had a guest that was actually uh, from the movie and the other person had a guest who's a very famous, um, I guess you could say like uh, Asian entrepreneur chef who does all kinds of stuff, um, Eddie Wang. And they were, there's some really interesting conversations happening around this movie. So that like instantly put it on my list of like, I gotta go see. This. Yeah. Yeah. We, we went to go see it the first weekend and, and just loved it. And like really, really felt like, I, I could see more from these characters. These characters were fun and enjoyable and I wanted to know more. Cool. Cool. I see you also finished Jessica Jones. That's the second season. I yeah, think. I did season two of Jessica Jones. <sighs> oh no. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> not, it wasn't bad. It's just, it it's, it's not, it's kind of hedging towards misery porn. I think like she's so, oh. she's so dark and so, but not intriguing dark, just like depressing dark. 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 Yeah. And, and I feel like all of the Netflix movies have kind of the same or are developing the same pattern, which is, the the hero does something gets into a conflict with the bad guy the bad guy gets away they have to reset they get back into a conflict with the bad guy the bad guy gets away they reset and the conflicts are not unique enough to keep it interesting or different it's just kind of it's just kind of very cyclical and I feel like they do it two or three times and it's kind of like why can't you just do that once and just tell the story so question without without giving away spoilers because it's it's on my list of things to watch um, is this more of a I guess for better lack of a for, for uh, lack of a better term uh, is this monster of the week kind of uh, feel this season? No, no, it definitely has like a, a central villain and a story. And the, the intrigue is more of when she finds out the identity of the killer and, and what that means. Like mm -hmm. it, it becomes a, you know, you uh, kind of a, there is no good choice situation. Yeah. And, and so, 
so basically the the second half of the season is just her not being able to make any positive choices because there's just no positive choices to make. And oh man, sometimes those stories can be really intriguing. Yeah. Just cuz there's not like a neat bow. I'm okay with there not being a neat bow, but this was this was like get to the not neat bow quicker. Like <laughs> get to get to something like don't keep going like we we've got it. We understand how hard these decisions are for her to make. You don't have to keep like having her to make it make the decision and then it not result in anything so that the bad guy gets away and she has to make the decision again. And it just it felt very cyclical and repetitive. Oh yeah, yeah. That's one of the I think when Marvel the TV properties by Marvel, whether it's you know on ABC or, or on Netflix, when they go bad, usually that's the common complaint is that they've they it they feel like they tend to feel like they've taken a story that shouldn't have really filled thirteen episodes and they stretch it out to fill that space. Yeah, I don't think they need to do thirteen episode epics. I think they need to do six episode, you know, gun and done and tell tell a quick, strong, concise story. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, you know, if, if you can tell a story in six episodes, then you definitely don't want to try to stretch it out. You know what I mean? Like that's not the, the audience is not going to benefit from. Yeah, that. I mean, I, I want to go to to Sense Eight as an example. They didn't get their season three, so they had two and a half hours to tell like probably five years worth of story. And you could definitely tell that they were kind of like, well, we would have talked about this, we would have talked about this, and this would have been a whole season, but they just hit all the marks and they're like, all right, we're just going to take care of the stuff that we need to take care of so that it wraps everything up in two and a half hours. And I feel like if more series did that, where they're like, what if we had to just do this in a two hour movie? What are the main points? All right. Now let's, let's give ourselves a little leeway to tell the story in a better way, but don't expand it upon that. Don't try and fill time that you don't need to fill. Right, right, totally. Okay, well, it's still on my list of things. I feel like, you know, when I finally get through Iron Fist, <laughs> uh, I still have the Defenders to get through after that, and then and then season two, I think. Of, oh no, then Punisher. I, and I still haven't done Punisher. I need to. I need to carve out time to do Punisher, but it's it's rough. Oh, you're doing them out of order. I am doing them out of order because I know Punisher doesn't really line up with the rest of the Defenders, and I. I can okay. I can get Matt to watch Jessica Jones. I cannot get Matt to watch the the Punisher. That won't end. Well. Right, right. <laughs> it's too punishing. Oh, okay, I'm done. Uh, <laughs> cool. So I'm surprised that you've had uh, time to squeeze in, you know, a trip to the movies and a whole season of Jessica Jones when we know from when we talked last that you are in full Warcraft mode. I am in full Warcraft mode. Um, <laughs> like it's almost depressing, right? Because I, I think I, I think I mentioned that I, I rerolled, uh, maybe I haven't, I, I rerolled my main, which means that the main character that I'm planning on playing long-term, I started new and right. Right. And so I just hit level 75 with him yesterday and what? 110. Okay. I have to get to 110 before I can start any of the new stuff that's been out for two weeks and it's killing me 
because I can't participate in any, I can't listen to any of my podcasts. I can't go to any of my websites because they don't want to be spoiled. So like, I'm even like being very careful what they say in guild chat or on my discord servers so that I'm not, I'm not getting any info. I asked the other day in like the, the lore uh, section of our, our discord channel. I was like, so if I watch this video online, is it going to have spoilers? And they're like, no, I think you're okay. If you know anything about this history, it's nothing new. Like, okay, good. I can watch that. <laughs> Man, that's gotta be tough. I don't know that I would, I mean, I feel like I'd break down at some point and be like, I want to be part of the conversation. So yeah, there's been several times now where I have really so, like, cause I have two level one tens. But I don't want to experience the story with those characters. I want to. St- I specifically picked this character because when I listened to the the audio book and read a lot of the stuff and experienced the first set of 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 storylines before the new patch came out, like I'm like this is the oh. character that I want to experience the story through. Sorry. And so, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So yeah, so that's where I am. I am I am pushing through. Anytime I have some spare time, I try and marathon. Uh, wow, and yeah. I'm 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 making good progress. <laughs> Whenever <laughs> but... I have spare time, I marathon. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> okay, like a true devoted fan. Whoa, it's true. It's By the true. way, do do do. Is there a name for devotees of this for, of this fan base? Are they are they wowers? Are they uh, war Warcraftian? I don't know what. What I no, you know what? I don't think we have. I don't think we have a title. I think uh, we just say we play Warcraft or we're into Warcraft. I don't think we have a like. We're not. We don't have any fun little fandom names. Okay, just wondering. Yeah, there's a bunch of listeners right going. There's no nickname. Stop trying to make fetch happen, Ray. It's not happening. Well, I'm not. sure there's names. I'm just, I don't think many of them are, are pleasant or are used with love. <laughs> all right. All right. Cool. Well, uh, it sounds like you've had a lot of fun catching up on some geeky properties. I need to, I need to get on it. Once the semester starts, <laughs> I'll be able to, you know, uh, I think find time when I'm traveling to indulge on whatever stories that I'm falling behind on. Cause you know, travel season's coming up for me. So I'm going to yeah. be on the road more often than I'm going to be home for the next, I don't know, two or three months. You're, you're going to have to give us updates on what you're reading so we can like hop onto the, the Ray bandwagon and, yeah, and read along sure. with you. And I'm doing, because I have a, I have an iPad issued by work. So I'm, I'm fully doing like the online comics thing this time around. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about that. I'm excited to try that out. Well, very cool. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we're going to come back and <laughs> I have a feeling Ray is going to rip apart Sony's um, <laughs> Spider franchise. <laughs> some, 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 whatever, we'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. I'm Void. And I'm Beach. And together we're the geek to geek podcast. Well, we make it. It is kind of us, but I guess it's separate. Every week, we pick a topic from geek or digital culture and chat about it for a while. And you're invited. We talk about books and movies, games, comics, the internet. Or really whatever we feel like. Yeah, that too. So look for the geek to geek podcast on iTunes. Or wherever your podcasts are sold. Or downloaded. Or whatever. 
Hi everyone, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea, and we are the hosts of Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. We are two best friends who love pop culture and talking about pretty much whatever we want. Katie! Yes? Stop thinking about Zac Efron and tell our future listeners what some of our latest episodes have been about. Well, we've talked about Zac Efron. No, get it together, Katie. Fine. We've talked about fan fiction, classical literature adaptations, favorite TV couples, and so much more. So grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice and download our podcast today. And we're back. And I had already mentioned that this week, um, the Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea are doing a whole episode on the show. Um, oh my gosh, uh, Crazy Rich Asians, the, the movie oh, Crazy yeah. Rich Asians. So that is, um, that is up and ready to go. Um, they are also, let's see what else is going on. Um, they are also geek to geek cast is Oh, they did personality tests this week. Like we were all sharing our personality types on Slack and on discord. And you totally have to listen to this episode cause it's, it's a very fun and interesting, um, uh, conversation. Damn. Do you, do you know your, your Myers-Briggs personality type? Yeah, <laughs> it, it, I'm trying. To, uh, um, I know the name. The is it the name of it? I I don't remember the exact combination of letters. I think it's E N T J. E N T J. Are you um, the most commanding? Yes. yeah i think it's called the executive it might be it's uh i know the the one that i'm looking at has um life's natural leaders visionary gregarious argumentative systems planners take charge low low tolerance for incompetency (laughs) so i i go back and forth between that one it's the last letter that switches for me. Okay, so you're b- between most commanding and most inventive. Yeah, I think the last letter is either J or P. Yeah, those are the two options. Okay, so yeah. The other one is the other one is um, one exciting challenge after another. Argues both sides of the point to learn. Um, I don't know what that word is. Tests the limits. <laughs> enthusiastic. New ideas. Yeah, that sounds about. I'm as you can tell, I'm not excited about either. <laughs> <laughs> you have to embrace your personality type, right? It's, yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, Matt, so see, I haven't been on Slack in a minute with the semester gearing up. I haven't been able to spend much time on there, but it sounds like I'm missing out. Oh yeah, people were sharing all all over the place. I am I am INFJ, which is like the rarest personality type out there. It's like two to four percent of the population is an INFJ. Oh my god! Um, yeah, and it's it's the most contemplative, um, reflective, and introspective, quietly caring, creative, linguistically gifted, and psychic. Apparently, I am psychic. <laughs> okay, maybe empathic. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, it, and I mine does mine does vary. I do bounce between J and P as well. Okay. Um, and the, the other one is um most idealistic, 
which I don't think I'm very P lately. <laughs> I don't think I'm, I'm more of a J. <laughs> oh my God, that's going to be a shirt. Less of a P and more of a J. <laughs> At least some will get it. Oh, cool, man. So yeah, so it was a very, it's a very good episode. I highly recommend everybody go and and check it out. Nice. Uh, so All right. for our feature this episode, uh, we wanted to talk about Sony's not only the upcoming Venom film that Tom Hardy is starting in, starring in, but also their plans for the greater universe of characters that are usually within the, the Spider-Man you know, cast of characters, because as we know, Sony owns, has rights to all of these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, uh, last month, or actually earlier this month, God, we're still not doing August yet. Uh, at the beginning of this month, it, they kind of, they announced their slate of films that they're planning after Venom. And, you know, stop me if you've heard this before, right? Because uh, this was what they were attempting to do with their last go with Spider-Man, which is the amazing Spider-Man films uh-huh. uh, with, with Andrew Garfield as, as Peter Parker. And, you know, we all know how that ended up. Right. So right. Uh, now that they're announcing this kind of second go round, a lot of people, myself included, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, Joe, kind of feels like they haven't learned their lesson. Yeah, because because every time I look at this, I'm just kind of like, you're gonna make old '90s superhero films that nobody cares about. That's interesting. That's an interesting take on that. What I I want to I want to dive deeper into what specifically makes you say '90s. But first, I, I kind of want to go over how we got here. Okay. Because, I mean, Spider-Man, by this point, everybody knows Spider-Man's story, right? Everybody knows who Spider-Man is, Peter Parker, Aunt May, which kind of blows my mind. I don't know how you feel about that, but that's just one of, I feel like Spider-Man was one of the most popular characters, well, if not the most well-known character within the comic book universe. But I think that, like, uh, uh, outside of that fandom, I don't know how many people could tell you Spider-Man's origin story. And now, yeah, I don't know. I, it's hard because I, it, when you when you bring up stuff like that, it's it's like I've never lived in a world where I haven't known who Spider Man is. Right. So, right. like, I mean, it's like somebody who who's going to talk to me about sports and go, "Well, what do you mean you don't know what sport that team is?" Like, <laughs> like it's just like to them, like you couldn't not know that information. But to me, right. I, I I have to try and not embarrass myself when somebody's like, "Well, you you know." that that's a football team right i'm like oh oh, okay yeah yeah totally which yeah for for sports fans like me like that's one of my favorite games to play with my friends that are non-sports fans of which i have many uh is is i'm gonna uh name name five football teams or name five basketball teams or sometimes i'll say where is what city is this team from (laughs) <laughs> that's a lot yeah, of fun no, and now, you're, now you're bringing geography into it and I'm lost <laughs> so okay yeah, as far as you know we can remember Spider-Man has, has been 
a character that we know and that we're aware of and that we, you know, we, we know a lot about his backstory and whatnot. And I mean, mm-hmm. granted, you know, there was the cartoons in the early seven uh, in, in the late seventies. There was the early films, the Spider-Man films in the late seventies to early eighties. Uh, Spider-Man came out in, 19, in 1977. Spider-Man Strikes Back came out in 1978. <laughs> <laughs> and in 1981, Spider-Man: The Dragon's Challenge. Uh, <laughs> so, I, I I know I have seen at least one of those really old ones because my yeah. grandpa had taped it off of like old classic cable. Oh my god, yes! Now to this day, whenever I see Nicholas Hammond, it's a, it's the, the guy who played Spider-Man in those early TV films or whatnot. Um, that's, I mean, that takes me right back to my childhood. Spider-Man with those, with those bug eyes, right? Those like screen yeah, yeah, yeah. Eye, metal screen eyes that pop off the mask. Um, <sighs> so, I mean, but I don't know how closely those hewed to the comic book origins, right? Like there was certainly right. Aunt, Aunt May or, any, or, or Mary Jane Watson in any of those films. Um, so for most people, you know, Spider-Man started with Sam Raimi's films in 2002, uh, is when the first one came out. And I was super excited for that. Those films haven't aged well. I don't know how you feel about those films, Joe. I haven't gone back and watched them. Oh, man. I don't know that I would suggest it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, certainly, you know, the third movie was a, a kind of everyone agrees it was a disaster. Um, bad for, you know, even, even that series that I feel hasn't aged well. Um, but... You know, that's what happens when you force a director to feature a character that he or she isn't passionate about and doesn't feel is right for the story, right? Because the famous, you know, the the famous story around that is is he wanted to focus his film on either Sandman or the Vulture or Spider-Man 3. And the studio was like, no, 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 you have to feature Venom. It's what the fans want, blah, blah. And if you watch that film and if you remember it, first of all, I'm sorry. Second of all, um, you can kind of tell, you can kind of tell from the way that Venom, you know, and Eddie Brock is treated in that movie that really he didn't give a shit about that character, you know? No, it's horrible. Like it's, it's oh, just, so well, first of all, first of all, toe for grace. Like I just can't just horrible. Can't. Just cast. Like horrible. there's like nothing about that character that like, it just, no. Yeah. Totally. That's a hard no. <laughs> And then the thing that always, and this is kind of a small thing, but it definitely like freaks out my, like, I don't know. I don't know if it's OCD or what it is, but they, so they cast, um, Kristen Dunst as Mary Jane for the first film. So, so she was, you know, Mary Jane in one, two and three, um, Mm -hmm. Kristen Dunst, a natural blonde was cast as the redhead character. Mm -hmm. And then they go and cast a blonde, I mean, a, a redheaded actress of Bryce Dallas Howard as blonde Gwen Stacy in the third film, <laughs> which just like, did they have like extra wig budget that they had to get rid of that they had to spend <laughs> before the end of the fiscal year? Like what was going on there? Um, and also just, you know, it's a missed opportunity when you start with Mary Jane Watson and sort of skip all of the great story potential with not only the love triangle, but just obviously like the tragic dramatic storylines involving Gwen Stacy and everything. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. So so I don't know. I I've gone back and seen those films recently by Sam Raimi. Um, besides their Sam Raiminess, which you know I'm a big fan of Sam Raimi. I don't think that they age well as Spider-Man films. But at the time, it was really cool to get those films and to have Spider-Man treated that way. 
right? Yeah, no, it was it was it was coming off the heels of of X Men, right? And we always kind of say that exactly. we kind of look at X Men as the as the launch of superhero movies can do something. Yeah, but what was exciting about Spider Man is that versus X Men was that X Men still very much had that Matrix flavor with like all mm-hmm. the black leather and you know which all that stuff that Brian Singer is still obsessed with. Um, and and Spider Man was like bright. It was like spandexy, right? It was like okay, yeah. they're really going for it now. Um, so yeah, so so and you know once once the, that film franchise was destroyed by the third film. Um, they try to reboot it because as, as I'm sure a lot of people know, uh, Sony had the, the nature of the contract that they have with Marvel. And this is really important because the same goes for Fox and their character, their franchises as well, including fantastic four, the nature of these contracts. And, and this was, these characters were all sold off way back in the day, right? When Marvel was, didn't have a film studio and was just trying to get their characters out there. Um, well, and, and doing terribly financially and needed to get out of bankruptcy. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Um, the way these contracts are sort of stipulated, it's that these studios have to produce and release a film featuring these characters every five years, within five years. And if they don't, then the rights revert back to Marvel. Which explains so, why we get such horrible films, because they're just exactly. making them to keep the properties. Yeah, and you would think, well, they just did. They just told that character's origin story. Now, why are they rebooting it so quickly? Well, that's why, because you know, if, if they if if they go beyond five years without making that film, then they're going to lose the rights to that character. So that's how we got Mark Webb's films, The Amazing Spider-Man, started in 2012, uh, the first of his two, featuring Andrew Garfield as as Peter Parker. Um, how did you feel about those movies when they came out? I I honestly didn't have a huge problem with them. I thought that they were different. I I thought that the the that Toby Maguire was a great Peter Parker, but a kind of a crappy Spider Man. And yeah. I thought Andrew Garfield was a great Spider Man, but kind of a crappy Peter Parker. I love that assessment. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, I did. And it was cool to see them tweak some of the things that they felt they got wrong or they could have done better in the first franchise right in the mm-hmm, first series mm-hmm. of films that was cool um i loved the fact that they started with gwen stacy in the first film yeah um and and then uh, things went off the rails in the second film and i think it, it suffered from the same one of the same problems that warner brothers suffers from which is sony all of a sudden felt that they needed to kickstart a franchise of films and catch up quote unquote, catch up to Marvel. Mm-hmm. And that's where the amazing Spider-Man two really ran into some trouble because they were quickly trying to introduce the backstory to a sinister six film, mm-hmm. right? Sinister six. Did I say that right? Yeah. Um, and so that's where we got all these, like, you know, we got electro in the second film, right? Mm-hmm. Um, We've got, uh, uh, I think, isn't Green Goblin introduced in that film as well? Like this really weird high tech. Yeah. Uh, that was such a strange. Well, and the Rhino. That character. That's right, the Rhino too. Wait, was the Rhino in that one? He was in the. He was in the last scene. Oh. And the next okay. movie was supposed to take place at the beginning of the. Um, like that was supposed to be the opening sequence to the new movie like to the, whatever the next movie was going to be. Got it. Got it. I remember, um, 
if that is the movie that we're thinking of, then yeah. Um, who was it that played the rhino? It was Paul Giamatti. Was it? Because I don't know. Yes, it, was it, just was, a big, it was just a big suit of armor. Yeah, it was Paul Giamatti. He played the rhino. I thought that was such a weird choice. I mean, I love Paul Giamatti. I'll oh, yeah. No, he's great. But, but yeah, <laughs> he's not, not the rhino. And then this is also the film where they try to Harry Potter Peter Parker. They tried to make him seem part of this vast conspiracy that his parents were spies that were also scientists. Oh, right, right. And they had been doing experiments on him. And so Peter Parker was always chosen and destined to be Spider-Man and to have to be this hero. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, no. The whole <laughs> point, <laughs> the whole point of Peter Parker and the appeal is that he's an every he's an everyman. He's an he's he's the boy next door, right? Yeah. That anyone can identify with him. Not that he is the chosen son that is going to bring balance to the spider force or whatever the fuck. I forgot about that. See, I, I am very good at just, of just letting the, the bad go away. Like I just stop thinking about it and I forget about all this stuff. (laughs) Well, once, once I read that article that I sent you about Sony's plans for the, this new venom verse or whatever the fuck they're going to call it. Um, I took a deep dive. I was like, okay, wait, this, this rage is not just about this new planned universe. This is <laughs> this is the nerd rage of, you know, countless reboots and sequels built up, you know. So I, I went back and, and just kind of revisited a lot of these properties. Which I have to tell you, because the way our – people don't have access to our Facebook messaging, like, history. <laughs> like, like, most of the time, I feel like it's you kind of lobbing interesting things out there to see how I will react. <laughs> And it's kind of like, I'm just going to put this here. And I think sometimes you'll even say, I'm just going to leave this here. Do with it what you will. <laughs> and, and for me, it's like, like when, when you stop everything and said, this really annoys me. And then you post the article. I'm like, oh, we got our new topic. Like, <laughs> Ray's got things to say. Oh, man. It's really funny what you pick up on, too. What, you know, what, what threads you sort of pick up on and say, okay, this is something that you know we need to discuss for the world to hear. Um, yeah, Amazing Spider-Man 2. I mean, I don't even think I watched that in the theater, which for me to skip a Spider-Man movie in the theater, like, I'll watch anything, man. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Put an X on in the title somewhere, whatever. Like, I'm there, right? As much as we rail against these DC films that are consistently bad, we're there. Yeah. We're there for every new opening. And yeah, I think I, I skipped Sp- Amazing Spider-Man 2. So that, you know, that tells you all you need to know about about where that franchise went very quickly because Amazing Spider-Man, the first one was, meh, you know, they, it wasn't, it was not great, but it was not horrible, right? Which is not what you want right. when you're rebooting a major character like Spider-Man. Right. But the, the goodwill, I think the character is so beloved and so popular and so well known that the goodwill is there. Kind of like Batman, mm-hmm. you know, like if you make a mediocre Batman movie, it's still going to make money. Right. And then, you know, with Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2, it just went off the rails. But I think I think the reason, one of the main reasons why Spider-Man has such a rabid sort of following fan base, I think a lot of it has to do with the Spider-Man animated series. Did you ever watch this series? It started in 1994. I watched, uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to answer and then I'm going to take a second to go back because I feel like we've skipped something. Um Okay. Yes, I, I have watched episodes of the Spider-Man animated series, um, but it will never 
hold a candle to my love of Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Oh my God. That's so, that's my childhood. Have you, have you gone, have you ever gone back and watched it? Actually? Yes, I have. It was on on Netflix (laughs) for a while. That's right. It was. And I got super excited when it was on that. And I feel like there's a lot of, of cartoons that people go back to and go like, I, I, my understanding is Thundercats is terrible. Like you go back and watch Thundercats and you're like, why did I ever like this? But there is (laughs) something so nostalgic, nostalgically horrible about Spider-Man and his amazing spider friends that I could just sit there and just bask in the awfulness of it. Like, that, oh my god that is that is one of those 70s or 80s superhero properties you know when comic books was just this weird subculture right mm-hmm. like the mainstream like where the fuck did they think this spider-man character came from you know what i mean right. like <laughs> and and you look back and you're like how the hell did spider-man iceman and firestar which is a character they created for the show. Mm-hmm. How did these characters end up together in this property? What the hell was the pitch for this? <laughs> like, I want to be in that room. I want to be in that coked out fucking room <laughs> listening to this pitch for Spider-Man and his amazing. Well, friends. I watched it. I forget. I don't know if it was when my nephew was out here and he was really young or I, I don't remember, but there was some, we had kids over for some reason and I was like, well, let's throw this on because it's nostalgia for me. And like, we'll, we'll see how the, the old cartoons live up to it. And there was an episode where Dr. Doom tries to get this like relic that is like basically like the cosmic cube. And it ends up in the hands of Aunt May's boyfriend. Like this little old man who like can alter reality. And, and Dr. Doom has to be like, you know, like kowtow to him. So like it, it's hilarious. It's so bad, but it's just like, you're just sitting That's there giddy because you're like, this is so ridiculous. Oh man. I, I, that just makes me, that just makes me feel like we, we have a Dr. Doom episode in us in the future. Yeah. We, that's one of those characters that really needs to get figured out at some point. Um, Spider-Man and his, um, and his amazing friends was part of, I remember I used to wake up, Early on Saturday mornings, I used to set an alarm to wake up so that I could catch this. And I was like maybe eight years old uh-huh. at the time, maybe seven. Um, because I remember that there was also an X-Men animated series around that time. And there was a Hulk animated series. Yes. series. And they were all shown together, I think. Um, the X-Men one was, was Pride of the X-Men. And I think it was centered on Kitty Pride as, as the main character. I don't think that ever became a series, though. I just remember the one pilot episode, but I don't think it ever went to series. Oh, okay. Then that must have been – I remember watching an X-Men animated series. Maybe it was guest characters. Maybe it was just a pilot that I remember. No, I know exactly but what I you're talking about because there were episodes of the, of Spider-Man and his amazing friends – that was um, that the X Men guest started because oh okay they acknowledged okay. they yeah. acknowledged Iceman was an X Man and and so there was an episode where they had to go and help the X Men. Okay, then that's what I remember. That sounds about yeah. You're right. Yeah, Pride of the X Men was the uh, didn't ever actually make so it. That was the that was the um, terrible one with uh, you can still watch it on on YouTube. It's the one where um, Wolverine has the Australian accent. 
Oh, yeah. I've heard about that. Okay, I'm going to have to check that out. Oh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's phenomenal. Oh, man. Okay, so yeah, yeah. But obviously, you know, giving due to Spider-Man and his amazing friends, I remember the um, the Spider-Man animated series that started, kicked off in 1994. That was a major fixture of my, like, high school years. Yeah. Um, and, and it was one of those shows that I guess I just, at first I didn't really watch it. It would be on, you know, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. And I think, honestly, I think it was on as part of like an obligation. Like, well, there's a Spider-Man cartoon. Of course I'm going to tune in. Right. But I was uh, at that point, you know, I was, I was heading into high school and I was kind of going through my, you know, I'm a punk rocker, you know, phase. I'm not going to, you know. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna devote my you know daily time to this Spider-Man cartoon, but man, this show. I I feel like I knew so many friends at that time who became converts, who who became fans of Spider-Man as a character because of this show, mm-hmm. and when they would talk about it, they would talk about the stories mm-hmm. and how it was a soap opera and how you know like just every character was interesting and the way it all kind of tied together and how his life was so complicated and you really thought for this character. And that's when it hit me like, wow, this cartoon really captured the spirit of like sixties Spider-Man yeah. comic books. Yeah. They did you a know? very good job with it. It was kind of like that Batman and um, the X-Men animated series we're all yes. kind of just in that golden age of we're going to tell we're going to we're going to basically write comic books as cartoons. Yes. And that's exactly that's totally. all they did. They're just like let's take the best stories and put them out as as arcs for a season and that's what they did. Yeah, yeah, and they were not they didn't shy away from the campy, silly, you know, kind of hokey comic book traits. They they completely embrace them and it's amazing to see how if you capture that thing correctly you will win people over like people want to be invested in these characters and these stories and this was actually one of uh, this cartoon in particular was around that time like you said you know batman um another one was gargoyles i remember was around this time yes that these these a lot of these cartoons were telling season-long stories and that was definitely the case with spider-man an entire season like would have individual episodes that were interesting but that also combined together to tell an overarching season-long story which i mean come on for for kids tuning in to watch a spider-man cartoon like i don't think that's something that's expected right and that's why people were so devoted to this i mean in season one, they covered the lizard, uh, and they based. You're right. They based all of these on um, actual stories from the the actual comic book. The menace of Mysterio, the sting of the scorpion. Um, they introduced the alien costume in a two parter for Venom, uh, or actually a three parter. Wow, to end the to end the season. Um, season two uh, uh, introduces the the Sinister Six, Hydro Man, Morbius. The Punisher, like, dude, I this makes me want to go back. I remember there was the whole, the whole, the whole storyline where he mutates and gets the extra arms, 
And that yes, was the thing I where, remember that. I don't think that was an episode. That was like half a season. And he went to the X-Men because they were they had all these guest stars from all these different properties. Yes, absolutely. Um, dude, they ended up doing in season five, they do the wedding and they do a Secret Wars trilogy. Oh, I don't even remember that one. <laughs> I'm, I'm reading it crap. right now. That's amazing. I'm definitely going to go back and watch some of these episodes. Yeah, they have a Goblin Wars in, in season three. This just, I mean, so here's the thing is that these stories can be adapted, right? If yeah. you embrace them and these characters that are awesome, like people will love it. And I think that finally, once, once uh, Mark Webb's, once Sony's second go round at Spider-Man, you know, fizzled out and was clearly from the start, you know, had problems. Um, that was when they decided to make a deal with Marvel. Do you remember the excitement around that time? Yeah. Oh man. I was so excited when Marvel started talking about, you know, the possibility of, of, of putting their hands back on Spider-Man. Um, and that's how, you know, we kind of got to where we are now with Spider-Man with homecoming, the new one that's coming out called far from home, which from what I read on spoilers, I don't know if you want to know anything about the story for the follow-up to Spider-Man: Homecoming. Uh, you can Apparently give it to Spider-Man. me. I'll, I'll I'll take a little bit of a little bit of a preview, but but if you don't, okay. skip ahead a couple minutes. Apparently, Spider-Man: Far From Home. Um, the premise, it, first of all, it takes place after the events of the upcoming Avengers film, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Peter Parker and his friends go on a summer vacation to Europe. Okay. That's it. No, oh. <laughs> we've got we've got Michael Keaton as Vulture. He's coming back, which is awesome. Uh, Zendaya is going to be playing the character that we come to find at the end of Homecoming is is called MJ by her friends. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal is cast as Mysterio. Ooh, we haven't had Mysterio yet. Yeah, yeah, and it looks like uh, Agent Maria Hill and Nick Fury are also going to be uh, making appearances. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So that's cool. So, so I'm thinking, great Spider-Man. You know, made a deal with Sony. Sony has admitted that they can't figure out this franchise. They're gonna give it back to Marvel. Marvel knocks it out of the park with his first appearance in Civil War, Homecoming, which I just recently rewatched. Of course, uh, about a week ago when I when I took my deep dive. Um, loved Homecoming. I remember how excited we were to review that film. Mm-hmm. Um, I, for some reason, Joe, I guess stupidly on my part, I just thought, great, Marvel's going to get the chance to really flesh out the Spider-Man universe in his own franchise. No. Mm. <laughs> no, Sony decides to go ahead with their plans to make a Venom solo film. Which, I, I'm sorry, I can tell you right now. I Again, we, we just talked about this. I'll go see it. I... I I'm going to have to force myself to go see it. There's nothing about this that interests me whatsoever. Right, right. Now, I'm going to age myself or date myself a little bit here, but I was not in on the the Venom phenomenon. Mm-mm. Like, I remember Venom being a cool character when drawn by Todd McFarlane, right? When he was still on Spider-Man. This is before he left and did Image and did Spawn and all that. I remember Venom being a cool villain in the overall, you know, awesome 
cast of, 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 of villains, a rogues gallery or whatever of Spider-Man, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not the best. I mean, Doc Ock was my favorite growing up. But, you know, Venom, cool. Yeah, that, that's a cool character. I like when he pops up in, in the comics. Um, and then suddenly in the, in the mid-90s, and I think I was like on – I was in Image fucking – I was in the sunken place reading image comics, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Venom suddenly like exploded onto the comic book scene as this like anti-hero. And I remember like foil covers of Venom's first issue. And like, suddenly he's always like, uh, he's got rabies, like green rabies or something because there's like green slime. His tongue gets longer and longer more and more teeth start coming out of his face. He just starts to look more deformed and demonic. And I'm like, I remember at the time thinking, what the hell is going on with Venom? <laughs> like, girl's been having way Venom. too much plastic surgery. Like, stop this guy <laughs> telling her to stop. <laughs> I'm like, when did Venom think that he could go solo? Like, when did he leave the band and decide to like, embark on his solo career? But it, there's, he's got a huge following. Yeah. I just, I don't know, man. I always feel Venom to me is like another like character, like the Hulk where he just, he makes the most sense as, you know, kind of part of a, a, a supporting character or kind of as, as an accent onto a larger story, you know, and, and maybe I'm not giving the Hulk his full due, but I just feel like that's how we've seen him work best in these films. And I feel like Venom has the same kind of vibe going. Forward. Well, I mean, with the Hulk, the Hulk's of the Hulk's a Frankenstein story. Like that's what the Hulk is, right. and it's not a particularly unique Frankenstein story. So it's it's a like once you've seen him do his thing, which we've seen now multiple times. Like there's nothing more to that. Like like the story is not going to get more diverse. It's just he's going to find another big thing to hit. Like that's. Yes. You know, you have to give him characters that can flesh out and and give him depth. Otherwise, there's no there's no story here. And it's kind of what I feel is the same thing with Venom. Like you can't have Venom without Spider-Man. Right. And right. At, at least not at the beginning. It's it's that I think you've mentioned it already. It, it's the jumping into the deep end of the pool to keep up with Marvel. And and they're skipping what needs to be done to make you want to see a Venom character in a solo movie. Like, I have no problem with a Venom solo movie, but you have to have a Spider-Man versus Venom movie before you can have a Venom movie where I'm going to care about Venom. Oh, my God. I just got this really sinking feeling in my brain where I'm like, wait, they, they don't they, – their mothers don't have the same first name, do they? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you can't you can't make a this without a versus film first like come on like oh let's pump the brakes there uh, um <laughs> yeah no i agree with you i think also i just realized that one of the parallels that i think in my brain uh that that exists about venom and hulk is that they're characters that traditionally in the comic books have not been written with a wide range of emotions mm-hmm. And so like Hulk, you know, Hulk's all about rage and there might be moments where he's experiencing, you know, maybe confusion or, you know, something maybe like a, a, a less intense rage, but that's, a, that's about, 
the scope of you know Hulk's kind of emotional range. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what makes it hard to develop an entire film around that character is because you know ideally your character experiences an arc, right? And unless you're doing that with Bruce Banner, it's kind of hard to do that with the Hulk. Um, I think Venom's the same thing. Venom's supposed to be this like evil uh, symbiote, you know, uh, uh, that that is grafted onto to Eddie Brock and his hatred for Peter Parker and Spider Man. What else? Like, I can't imagine a, a really, you know, um, reflective Venom, you know, kind of like a gaining some kind of insight or, or exhibiting some sort of nuanced emotional arc in a film. Well, or I, a mean, story. I mean, but that's the, and then unfortunately, that's actually what you need to make Venom good is because the whole reason why Venom's Venom is because Peter Parker rejects him. So he goes and finds somebody else who hates Peter Parker and Spider-Man as much as he does so that he yes. can he can get revenge. It's it's a it's a jil- it's a jilted lover story. It really is. Right. No, totally. Absolutely. So I I know that there's there was a very popular solo series where he became an anti-hero and I I'm not fully aware of his what inspires him to suddenly become not fully evil. Mm-hmm. I think, see, man, this is just, so this takes me back to your comment that I wanted to come back to. When you say, you know, Sony is going to make all these characters, all these nineties stories. I really feel that venom is that venom is a product of the nineties that we haven't fully come to terms with. Well, and, and what- but I want to know what makes you jump to that that kind of description. Well, and my description is not so much like the, the comic book nineties. Mine is the cinematic nineties where we got captain America punisher trying to think of the other ones that came out. Um, you can even go to the late eighties with Supergirl. Um, the, the, um, Catwoman with Halle Berry. Right. Like all of those that were just like proving over and over again that you can't be successful with superhero films. Well, you can't be successful when you take a character out of a bigger franchise and try to just build around that one character. And that, and that's exactly yeah. what they're doing here. And that's exactly right. what they're doing here. And and it's right. because it doesn't stop at Venom. That's the thing. It's like, okay, yes. you can try with Venom, but they are planning to do this with the entire canon of spider-man like and if they're uh, yeah and they're really failing at all levels because even the name of their greater spider-man you know centric yet they don't have spider-man universe is called officially the s-u-m-z or sony's universe of marvel characters which just rolls off the tongue right oh (laughs) <laughs> honestly I, right, so, one of the things i wanted to ask you is what the hell s-u-m-c is and that's Sony's universe of marvel characters that's yes. terrible yeah so that is the official name that they revealed in a press release um and and after venom um comes out they are putting on the fast track to be produced um, a Morbius, the living vampire solo film. Okay. Uh, featuring Jared Leto as Morbius. At least he's, he's been, his name has been, I don't know if he's official or if it's in talks. Um, 
directed by Daniel Espinosa, which I'm going to have to look up what Daniel Espinosa has, what else he's directed. Um, but I mean, man, here's the thing. If they're fast tracking a Morbius film, is it a full origin story? Is it, um, are they going to be introducing Morbius into the Venom film? And we know what can happen when they shoehorn characters into other, you know, into other films like that. It's just, it right away, it just doesn't sound like the best way to do things. No. Um, Daniel Espinosa has directed Life, uh, which is kind of a science fiction horror film in 2017. Safe House, Child 44. Oh, geez. Okay, let's stop there. Um, <laughs> after Morbius, they've got a Black Cat film um, in development. And I think this uh, bothers me more than anything else, Ray, because anybody who's read the Black Cat, she's a very good character who for for a character that is basically a knockoff of Catwoman, like there's actually a lot there and felicia harding right yeah 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 she's a great character um there but but here's the thing though there's a lot there but a lot of it is intertwined with spider-man because yeah, she is a Spider-Man villain. <laughs> yeah, and, well, and that's the thing. It's like like the what we're losing by like yes, we we get to see Black Cat on screen, which some people are like, well, this is very exciting. But what makes Black Cat fun is can you imagine any any female femme fatale Black Cat character hitting on Tom Hardy? Not Tom Hardy. I'm sorry, uh, Tom Holland. Um, <laughs> Well, because we've like venoming, I've been staring at his name for the last fifteen minutes. <laughs> um, like, because he already is playing that awkward teenager, yeah. and and juxtaposing that with this, like, very I'm using my sexuality as a weapon character with with the little the little sparks of um, snarky sarcasm, like. We are going to miss out on that. They're not going to put the Black Cat in a Spider-Man movie so we can see that fun interaction. That's another thing, right? It's like, how is... I wonder how this contract between Sony and Marvel is structured because Marvel's developing Spider-Man films with, you know, we've already seen The Vulture. We've seen The Shocker. um, We've seen The Tinker. We've seen uh, The Prowler in the first film. Uh, the second film is going to feature Mysterio. So obviously they have, you know, access to part of his rogues gallery. Why not Black Cat? Why not Morbius? Why not Venom? Right? Unless yeah. unless Marvel just says, you know what? That's a toxic <laughs> character. Still <laughs> Sam Raimi's go. So we're just going to go ahead and let you all play with that character because, you know, that's that's not something that we're concerned about. Um, but in, in Sony's slate of planned films, even after Black Cat, they have a Silver Sable um, solo film in the works. Um, I just, I don't know. And originally, Black Cat and Silver Sable were going to be in the same film, and it was going to be called Black and Silver. I shit you not. Like, I did not just make that up. No, no, I, I read that. And <laughs> that, like, that that makes no sense to me. I mean, is, it, is that a, an actual comic property? I don't I think it is. I think it is. Um, but at this point, just I feel like there's Sony execs just kind of throwing ideas up. E- e- even if it was 
pulled from a an actual comic book property, what what about that begs to be made into a movie? Everything I'm seeing is art that's been stitched together from Silver Sable comics and Black Cat comics. Like it's nothing that like I don't see any title pages that say black and silver. This is something that some studio execs decided they were going to shove together to make into something. Oh, because that's black cat and that's silver sable and they have colors for first names. (laughs) Like that's it. Like really? Like that's it. That's, that's what it comes across as. And then after the silver sable movie, they have a character called jackpot that (laughs) is slated for their own film. I don't know who jackpot is. Have you heard of, well, according to the article that you sent me, quote, Jackpot, a mother and superhero in her mid-40s, is also slated to get her own film in Sony's expanded Spider-Verse. Jackpot. That's right. I read a little bit about this character. I think this character has made a total of 12 appearances in the entire existence of this character. 12 comic book appearances. That's like giving a movie to Bluebird. <laughs> You're such a geek. <laughs> nice yeah that's so true it's it's i just oh they clearly have not learned their lesson i can't it's really hard for me to get excited for this more than anything i feel like i'm watching the planned destruction of yet another round of comic book movies that i would otherwise you know be excited to see these characters within the spider-man franchise Mm -hmm. because what this is telling me is they're gonna fuck up morbius and then we're not going to get to see Morbius interact with Spider-Man for at least another five to ten years because that character is going to be radioactive. Well, and that's – here's my thing. Is is Marvel just kind of sitting back and going, we'll wait. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Get it out of your system. We'll wait. It's fine. No. Oh, you want to do a jackpot movie? Oh, go, go ahead. That, yeah, go ahead. We'll let you know how – like we'll see how that goes. You You let us know when you're ready for us to take over. That's funny. Yeah, I kind of got visions of um, The Last Jedi when uh, the, the First Order is just waiting out. Well, they're just going to wait. They're, uh, the, the Rebels are going to run out of gas. They're just there. Just go ahead. We'll wait. Go ahead and, and speed towards that 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 planet. We'll, we'll wait. <laughs> um, so I just – at this point, I start to go into fantasy land. And I'm like, you know, if only. If, uh-huh. if only – if only Marvel had access to all these characters. Um, like I said before, you know, Venom was a cool character. Not my favorite growing right. up. Um, the only reason that I would have to get really excited about a Venom movie is if I saw that, you know, he was going to be the, the featured villain in a Spider-Man movie. Um, I don't know. Do you think that Venom has the potential to, to kind of this? Do you think this film has the potential to surprise you? Um, I'm going to hope, well, no, I, I'm not going to hope. I will be pleasantly surprised if I come out of that movie and go, you know what? That wasn't bad. Um, from everything I've seen, <laughs> that is not going to be my reaction, but it, I, 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 I want it to be good. Just like I want every DC movie to be good. Do you feel like in your wildest imaginations, you can't see yourself coming out of this movie going, wow, that was amazing. I, I can't picture it. I, I honestly – like, Ray, I'm telling you I'm going to have to force myself to go to this. Like, I don't even yeah. know that I'm going to – I mean, I made uh, – the conversation may be something like this. Matt, I have a geek culture podcast. 
we are going to be covering this. I am going to go to this movie. Please do not feel obligated to join me. Um, like that is what the conversation is going to be because I don't know how I want my, my husband to have to sit through two hours. <laughs> so if you, if you had the keys to the kingdom, if, mm-hmm. if you were in charge of kind of building out this, this Spider-Man universe after homecoming, how, how would you like to do, or how would you do it? Or how would you like to see them do it? Like, how would you, would, would a, a Spider-Man movie with Venom as the villain be high on your list of like potential plots for a Spider-Man movie? Probably not. I think if you were going to do it, like if we forgot about the fact that there's a Venom movie coming out in a couple months and we were just starting off of, Oh, you know, like you and I have done so many times on what is going to happen after Avengers four. Right. Right. So they reset whatever. Oh, go ahead. A lot of it is, is a lot of it is kind of resting on that, right? Like we don't know where or what the hell Avengers Four is going to be. No, no idea. Okay. So after they reset the universe in Avengers Four, somehow in order to um, they 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 do the whole Secret Wars origin of Venom, where. Like in order to defeat Thanos or in order to defeat whatever, he's like, oh, cool, new costume and totally doesn't get it. And then you go into a Spider-Man versus Venom movie. And and that, I think, would be the easiest way to get a Venom movie into the Marvel franchise. Right. But it's something that would be, have to be set up over – the course of maybe at least one film, if not two. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think since we know it's not going to happen, I'm ready for the, the Marvel cinematic universe, Spider-Man movies to just start collecting the rogues gallery of Spider-Man, because if Marvel wants to, like I I said this when we were covering one of our DC um, conversations, if Marvel, if DC wants to beat Marvel, the next, the, the, the best way to get ahead of Marvel is to create a Legion of Doom. Right, right. And if Marvel doesn't want to be beaten to that, I don't think that they've set themselves up to have a Masters of Evil. Like, they're not right. going to be able to challenge the, the Avengers, with, but I think that's where they need to take the franchise. Yeah. They need to have an ep- That's because I think that's what the fans want to see. Big team versus big team of heroes versus villains. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that means that means putting together. Yeah. The sinister six. Right. That makes a lot of sense because if you think about it, if you're Marvel and that is your, your plan, your kind of long, long game plan, then you, you don't need venom. Mm -mm. What are the characters that are not, in the Sinister Six, Venom, Morbius, Black Cat, Silver Sable. Yeah, all the ones that we're not going to see. You're not seeing a Doc Ock movie. You're not seeing a Wizard movie. Right, right. I love that. Ooh, I just got goosebumps thinking about Marvel putting together the Sinister Six. Yeah, because well, they—that's what they wanted to do. That's what Sony thought they were going to do. And I honestly was like, "Yes, please. That sounds amazing. Oh my god." But then, you know, I don't know what happened, but 
they fucked it up. <laughs> they done fucked it up. Um, so let Marvel do it. Let Marvel go. Like again, I think this is what Mar- I think this is what Disney's doing. Disney's kind of like, all right, like go ahead, Mar- go ahead, Sony. But you want to make? Go ahead, make black versus black and silver. You go ahead and do that. That'll that'll be fun for you. And then, are you done with that now? Okay, we'll take those. Thank. You. <laughs> Did you learn your lesson? <laughs> <laughs> Um. Yeah. One thing that bothers me about that is that Craven, the Hunter, is part of the Sinister Six, and Sony is is working on a Craven, the Hunter movie. Well, okay. Well, what like there have been various versions of the Sinister Six, right? That's true. That's true. Yes. Um. Yeah. That. that yeah. They do kind of have a rotating cast. It's not always the exact same number. I mean, you can. You know, you've already got Shocker in there, who Shocker was definitely part of the Sinister Six at one point. Scorpion was also introduced in one of the post credit scenes uh, in Spider-Man Homecoming. Spider- and Scorpion has been part of the Sinister Six for sure. Vulture. Mm-hmm. So you've already got three out of the six. Yeah, okay, so so what the, the first Sinister Six was Doc Ock, Electro, Craven, Mysterio, Sandman, and Vulture. Um so you obviously don't have Scorpion in there, but he's he's been known to be a long-time member of the Sinister Six, so he could easily yeah. switch out. Um, you also Hob, – Hobgoblin's been in there. That's right. Um, there's a character named Gog who I have never heard of before. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't that bothers Kingdom me. Kingdom I can't – there can't be Kingdom characters. Come? No. Wasn't that a DC character in Kingdom Come? Oh, it's Magog. Um, then there was a Sinister Seven, which had the Beetle. We haven't seen the Beetle yet. Oh, that's right. I forgot about the beetle. The beetle and S- Scorpia. <laughs> Apparently, there was a female scorpion. I love Colin. Um, and then, um, see any other new people that got that's that's basically uh, Venom did at one point was in the Sinister Six. Okay, okay. I mean, I'm with you though in in taking the time to develop these storylines over multiple films. And with Spider-Man, you have so much to draw from that that is absolutely possible if Sony isn't being fucking stubborn and like holding on to these characters and insisting on creating their own universe. God, it just so you're, they're they're Spider-Man-less Spider-Man universe. Um, I, I, I got to stop you real fast because I kept going down and there's a Sinister Twelve, Ray. There's what? a Sinister Twelve. Like with there's twelve members in it. Listen to this rogues gallery of Sinister 12. Norman Osborn's Green Goblin, Boomerang, Chameleon, Electro, Hammerhand, Hydro-Man, Lizard, Sandman, Shocker, Tombstone, Venom, and Vulture. I will take any combination of those six, except for maybe Hammerhand. I don't know who that is. Oh my! I remember Hammerhead. He was a. Uh, oh wait, I might be thinking of. Oh yeah, no, no, you're right. Hammerhead, not Hammerhand. I do know who Hammerhead is. Okay, yeah. okay, that's better. Dude, Tombstone. Tombstone used to scare me. Tombstone, I think, was a Daredevil villain, or maybe he was just popping up in Daredevil comics when I was reading comics at a young age, and I remember that character scared me. Yeah, uh, that's great. They had to reach deep into the Rogues Gallery. That was like second and third tier. I'm surprised Stiltman wasn't in there somewhere. Okay. Because stilt man, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then and then there is a version of the Sinister Sticks with Grim Reaper, who is very cool, and Trapster. <laughs> Do we remember who Trapster? What who Trapster was originally? I have no idea who Trapster is. The the 
old school. You will know him by his original name, Paste Pot Pete. Oh my God, who did that? Who went back and brought back Paste Pot Pete? I That's don't know, amazing. but they did call him Trapster at that point. Oh my God. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm sorry. Man, we, we can't have Sony messing this up. Rhino, Speed Demon. Oh, there's so many good characters here. Yeah, yeah. Sinister 66, Ray. There is a Sinister 66. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. It just keeps getting better this is the i i am linking this in the show notes you have to go like like listeners you have to go to the show notes this week just to sit and look at the 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 amount of characters that have been in the sinister put number here (laughs) this is brilliant and this makes me so happy I want all of them, Ray. I, like, for, forget that. Forget the carry. Like Sony can do with what they will. <laughs> like, go ahead, guys. Uh, give me Pace Pot Pete because you know Marvel will knock it out of the ballpark. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we're at a you know the point we're at now. I mean, it's it's a huge missed opportunity uh, yet again that comic books have to wait. You know, we're, we're basically we're going to have to wait this out. We're going to have to hope for the best, knowing that. You know, there's probably not like a like a very long future ahead of us mm-hmm. with you know with this greater Sony universe of Marvel characters. Um, but you know, I mean, we're, we're we've been pretty spoiled to this point. I I do feel, and I have this theory that I haven't been able to find much about online. Um, and and I would love for people to chime in and and tell me what they think about this theory. Um, it does involve having to go back and watch this the Sam Raimi films but only only the first two not not the third one no nobody needs to do that because i'm convinced that sam raimi um was working on expanding his his spider-man rogues gallery in his first two films i mean Mm -hmm. in the first and second film we do get dr connors as one of uh peter parker's college professors with with the missing arm and all um but in spider-man 2 with with um, Dr. Octopus is the main villain. There's this whole storyline with Mary Jane, uh, where she's, you know, she's on again, off again with Peter Parker. And she's actually at one point engaged to J Jonah Jameson's son, mm-hmm. who's an astronaut. And she ends up at, at the very end of the movie, leaving that astronaut at the altar and running back into the arms of Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. So you have a character who has spent a significant amount of town, time in space and who has um, the, the justification for a deep hatred of Peter Parker. Right. And if you watch that movie as many times as I have, <laughs> you'll see that there's, there's certain hints. Um, but again, tell me if I'm crazy. Um, there's a scene towards the end of the film where, Spider-Man saves Mary Jane and leaves her on this web kind of suspended at the docks. And then Spider-Man swings away and the cops pull up and the, this astronaut character, I can't remember his name. Um, he leaps off of the platform at the dock 
leaps uh, it's almost like it's it's if you, you blink you'll miss it but if you pay attention to how he jumps it's not a normal human jump like a normal person should not be able to make that leap from off the platform onto the dock and that's something that yeah and then on the very last scene where she leaves him at the altar they show the the the, the shot the camera shot is of in in the the chapel and it's panning away or it's pulling away from the altar and he's standing there and everyone's standing there and the color scheme of the entire wedding party is black, white, and green. Wow. So those things, you know, at the time got me really excited for how Sam Raimi was sort of planting these seeds for, you know, more characters to come. Mm -hmm. Um, But we all know what happened. Spider-Man 3, you know, he started developing Spider-Man 3 with Sandman in mind, which I still actually love Sandman's part of that film. Oh, that was a great um, part because, I mean, Sandman's a great character, and he was yeah. a hero for a while, and yeah. and then they wanted me to make him a villain, and they, like, they ruined him again. But And they nailed the, the look of the character. He was cast perfectly. They, you could tell they really put a lot of time and effort story-wise into, you know, this character's backstory and his motivations. But, you know, literally Venom is, is shoehorned into the story by, by the producers. And that's kind of how. And I was really sad that we didn't get to see, you know, those, those sort of beginnings in Spider-Man 2 kind of picked up, that those threads picked up and carried into future Spider-Man films. But um, I don't know. I just feel like we're, we're back. We're, we're, we're about to be back at square one again. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I guess the only way to the only way to keep kind of positive about it all is to look at it as Marvel's got Spider-Man, and so they're gonna do they're gonna do cool stuff with him. Yeah, and and yeah. I really do think we just need to just like let Sony get frustrated and <laughs> and go okay i'm i can't like we're not gonna sure go ahead and take it yeah do, do you ever feel like um maybe the, the smarter thing to do and, and if you step back and look at the big picture is to not support these films because if venom makes a sizable amount of money they're gonna see that as justification to keep going full steam ahead in their plans i don't know that it's going to I, I don't I, <laughs> I I think you can kind of tell how his movies how they think a movie's gonna do by the advertising and they've been a lot of venom advertising like yeah, like you know that they're confident about their movie when it's not a lot of advertising and they're like you yeah. know opening weekend people are gonna want to see this and so I don't know I I don't think it's going to have the, I think, I think a lot of people, I think it will do better than it should. I don't think it's going to do as well as they think it's going to do. Yeah. That's a really sad predicament to be in also as a geek and a fan of these properties is when you're almost rooting against them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've been in that situation for a couple of the X-Men films where I'm like, God damn it. That made a good box office this weekend. Shit. All right. Guess got to wait another (laughs) <laughs> another sequel or two for them to kind of, you know, decide that they need to make a course of uh, change their course of action or whatnot. Well, they're going to, they're going to make, they're going to make the, um, 
I, I think that as far as the, the X-Men films go, they're going to do Phoenix and they're going to do new mutants and then they're going to start over and they're either going to say, all right, Fox, you know, uh, well, I guess they, do they have, they have Deadpool now. Yeah, they do. Um, and Marvel has X-Men now. That's what I'm saying. But Marvel still has, uh, they have Deadpool now. Yeah. Oh, does Marvel have Deadpool? That's a good question. I'm not sure how that how that. I, I mean, I'm sure they 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 paid Fox for all their, you know, for access to the, all their characters back. So I'm assuming that that would include Daredevil. I mean, uh, Deadpool. Yeah. So I think I think what they will probably do is they will either say, "All right, let's now start taking these characters and doing Marvel Cinematic Universe versions of them." Or they're going to say, you know what, let's just make Deadpool the X-Men universe and and give everybody their X-Men fixed that way. I I really think that those are the two choices. Marvel has so many characters. They have have a a backlog of so much story history that they could wrap up Avengers stuff with Avengers 4 – and just move on to the X Men and do fucking five or six phases just of X Men if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. They could. What are they gonna build to next? Like they built to Infinity War. What the hell? Like how are they gonna top that? You know they could. Yeah, I I I am so excited about what happens after Avengers Four. Like. I, I feel like they've done a really good job of kind of just giving us enough to keep wanting to know what's coming next. And yeah. it, it, it's, it's just, it's exciting. It's fun. And it's not just because we're in the bag for these characters, because as soon as they got their hands on Spider-Man, we felt the same way about Spider-Man. Right. And we want, and we want an X universe that we can get behind more than I think. any. Like, like if you're like, yes. you could never watch another Avengers movie again, but you can have a, a viable X universe that makes sense. I will take the X universe over everything else any time of the day. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. They they were my favorite property growing up. Yeah, cool man. Is there anything else you wanted to add to to this whole SUMC conversation? Um, no. I just want to reinforce because again, in between discussing i i have been scrolling down like it's literally a long list right <laughs> like it's just there's so many characters here and they're all amazing like so many characters um we're getting a sinister six from marvel that's gonna happen we have to because there's just like there was this i told you the sinister 66 there was a sinister 16 there was like like the ringer the ringer right <laughs> the ringer like Okay, I'm looking at this list now. There's a Sinner Six. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a Marvel Zombie Sinister Six. There is a and then, and then it's like and then there's this this is just me being angry and spiteful. I want one of the Sinner Sinister Six to be Boomerang, so that we can actually have a character with Boomerang powers that throws a damn boomerang. Yes. <laughs> As opposed to uh. A Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that movie! Don't don't bring that up. <laughs> uh, uh, all, right. all right. Well, well, now we're now we're just getting bitchy, so <laughs> we should probably start wrapping up. Um, any shout outs for this this week? 
Oh God, I don't have any shout outs. I've, I've been so in my, in my research and planning for this semester, man. Um, I don't, I do, you got a shout out? I do have a shout out. Um, I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I was on an episode of the geek card. Um, well, Razorbug and Robbie glow from the geek card just like tonight were, um, were recording their 100th episode. So it's funny because I was sitting, I'm going to be on an upcoming episode of girls gone wild and uh, Raven from girls gone wild was sending me text about like being on the show. And I said, so are you know, we're, we're just chatting through messenger and <laughs> she goes, well, I'm currently recording episode 100 with Razorbug and, and Robbie. And I was like, Oh, tell them congratulations. So there's a very good chance that there is an impromptu Joe says hi on episode 100 of the geek card so go send them all your love because they're just good guys and they love geeking out with stuff and we all love our fellow you know what i I do have a shout out um i'm gonna give a shout out to my buddy alfonso rivera uh i call him al he i we, we grew up together and uh some of my fondest memories of hanging out with al is when he would come over to my house to hang out and watch the spider man animated series um, he loved it that much. And he was not a comic book fan before that. And he was completely devoted to that show. And he's actually one of the people that made me kind of sit up and take note and say, oh, this show is doing really amazing stuff. And, and kind of owe that memory to Al coming over and, and hanging out and both of us geeking out on Spider-Man. So shout out to Al. If he's listening. I'll, I'll send this to him. So I'll make sure he's listening. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks, Al, for, for helping <laughs> him on his quest to be a better geek. <laughs> All the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. Geek to Geek is a proud member of the Geek to Geek network. Check out other Geek to Geek shows such as the Geek to Geek podcast, Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, and the Geek Fitness podcast. Uh, make sure to join our Reddit community at r forward slash geek to geek cast. You can currently find us at geektitude.com as well as on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and most other podcatchers out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at geektitude or me personally at Epic Grays. Ray, Ray, where can we find you? I am at Ray Vargas three on the various social media platforms. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at backslash Ray Vargas three. And you can check out my artwork on my website, rayvargas com. Awesome. All right. I am putting out a challenge to our listeners this week. I don't care what, what forum you want to contact us on either um, Twitter or jump into the Slack channel or Reddit or, or Discord, wherever you want to find us, I want you to go through that list and I want you to put together your favorite Sinister Six. Like, which of the six characters that if you could only have one Sinister Six, which six would it be? That is my challenge. Let's you and I look at those lists as they come in and we'll pick one that's our favorite and I'll do a sketch of it. Oh, that's cool. Okay, so we have our f- – <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we just impromptu created our first contest giveaway. Yeah. <laughs> and very you had impromptu. to listen to the very end to get it. <laughs> Whoops. So if you're in this, you know that it's like the hardcore geek to listener. <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> 
All right, we'll sneak in this first one, and then later on we'll uh, we'll we'll promote the second one a bit better. Okay. All right. This we'll, we'll we'll have to give it. We'll give it a week, and we'll see if we don't get any feedback. We'll we'll, we'll announce it earlier in the show. Yes. Yes. Some some lucky person is listening to this is gonna submit their favorite lineup of Sinister Six and is gonna get a sketch. That's awesome. Awesome. Okay, guys. Until next time. Remember this week. Keep it geek. The Red Legion took away our home. Dominus Gaul has stolen our light. But from the ashes, a fire team of guardians rise to. Guardian down. Wait, wait, wait. Who was that? <sighs> Titan, no jump good. This is Happy Hour from the Tower. I'm T. I'm Nick. I'm Brandon. And we're going to talk about all things Destiny. Why we play. Why we love punching aliens in the face. And why T's aim needs a little bit of work. Have you got that? Say you've got it. See something. A podcast for players of all levels. Find Happy Hour from the Tower on iTunes, Stitcher, or at happyhourfromthetower.com. Eyes up, Guardian. Time to give up the ghost. It's Happy Hour from the Tower. First round's on us. So how would you describe a podcast like The Shared Desk? It's a podcast that took its sweet time to do a promo. (laughs) Yeah, well, I think that goes without saying. I mean, you could say The Shared Desk is a podcast about collaboration, because that's what we do. Wait, 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 wait. There's a lot more to The Shared Desk. You got our Loot Crate looky-loo. Oh, what's in the box? And then what we're doing when we're not writing, usually it's pretty nerdy. And then there are the drop-ins. Has the whole world gone crazy?! Yes. And we love having guests on the show. It's the shared desk after all. And if it's Katie or Lauren, you get some lovely singing as well. So find the shared desk on iTunes, Stitcher, or at thesharedesk.com. The shared desk. Two writers. One podcast. Different different points points of view. view. Greetings from TG Geeks webcast, where Ben and Keith, the two gay geeks, talk about all aspects of geekdom and nerdery. Sci-fi, comics, film, horror, genre, you name it, we talk about it. Find our episodes each week on TGGeeks.com. Visit our Facebook page, TG Geeks Webcast. On Google Plus and YouTube, look for us as Two Gay Geeks. You can tweet at TG Geeks and at the Two Gay Geeks. Or call our feedback line at 469-TG-Geeks. That is 469-844-3357. Happy listening. Peace. Cheers.